for our pre-roll, you're going to hear three seconds of silence. One, <laughs> two, three. That wasn't very silent. Welcome to Walk With Him. I'm Elder Blacker, and here we're welcoming everybody who is looking to improve their life by improving their relationship with our Savior, Jesus Christ. My name is Mitchell Redman, and here we're going to be discussing a variety of topics and doctrine relating to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. There's a lot to learn from him, from his moral ministry all the way to his teachings, and our mission is to help you live the best life from his example. Life isn't perfect, but our Savior is, so join us as we walk with him. And today we're going to talk about culture versus doctrine. Is it culture or is it doctrine? Who's to say? It's your lucky day. Both? Both. Oh, curveball. (laughs) So this is actually the second episode of 2024. I already posted the first one because uh, we all decided to get got sick. I get got sick. I get got sick. Several. Oh, yeah, I didn't. You didn't? No, he did not. Even though he was over at my house. And somehow your entire family did not get sick. Maybe a couple people in my family got sick, but like half the people I knew got sick at some point in like the last month. But this guy's immune, so. I've only gotten sick like twice in like the last six years, but those two times are like the sickest I've ever been like by far. Both of them were to the point where I would swallow my spit and throw it up. There you go. I hope nobody was eating when they were listening to that. I'm, 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 hmm. Okay, that is my comment. <laughs> this is um. What are you say? Oh, I was going to ask you a question. Okay, go ahead. Because you've been wanting to talk about this for a long time. Yes. Why is that the case? Um, I mean, first it was just an easy topic for me to come up with because I feel like it's first of all a pretty universal thing in like all religions. I mean, it's inevitable with most religions because it's a certain way of living based on the rules or kind of the guidelines everyone's following, they're going to have a certain culture with that. I like how you said everyone like applies to every single religion. I was super excited to talk. Like when you first brought it up, I was like, let's go. Because one of the lessons at FSY that really stuck with me, amazing lesson was culture versus doctrine. Yeah, the fence laws. Is that what they called it? There's a regional institute thing. I don't even know what you call it. They talked about fence laws, which we'll get into later, but it's basically the laws that exist to protect the commandments. Like these laws aren't actually commandments. Does that make sense? Fair enough. I understand. They're kind of like wear a white shirt during sacrament. You don't have to, but it's like the ultimate point of going to the sacrament is to worship Christ and to partake of the sacrament, right? Wearing a white shirt is to help you remember what you're doing is important. I like your story of like the guy in the ward or like the inactive guy who showed up and he was like, like he was scared. Like what he would, you, you explain it better. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I put the pressure on. So there was a guy. He was inactive. I don't, I'm not gonna <laughs> tell it like that. Um, Mitchell, you probably have horror stories from like people showing up to church and then the culture gets in the way of the purpose, right? And like what you brought up as a perfect example. Most people when they show up to church have a white shirt or a dress and he did not. And so it sticks out. But I feel like every missionary has like a horror story of like the culture getting in the way of the point because the other people then see the difference and will point it out rather than being accepting. 
The story that Eli's talking about, though, is where I saw the opposite. And it was really cool because I actually don't have a horror story, which is shocking because I served in Utah. Um, this guy, he showed up and he was actually like a little bit drunk. Not drunk, but he... Tipsy. Yeah, I don't know. It was really cool because we kind of, we convinced him to come walk around the church and then we got him to sit in the foyer of the church and then because he was comfortable in the outside and then he was comfortable and welcomed by the other people in the foyer, he felt okay to walk into the chapel and he was able to have a really cool experience there. It was just amazing to see the the ward not to understand the doctrine of you came to church and that's an amazing thing as opposed to, oh, you showed up with a little bit of alcohol in your breath and don't drink alcohol. Like nobody said that to him. And so that's that's the story. I feel like, and tell me if this makes sense to you, but I think it's probably a location you were in, but I think it's just because people in Utah kind of get it. Like you can tell when someone hasn't been to church before or if they haven't been there in a long time, right? And so they've probably seen that quite a bit. And so they're not prone to being like, oh, he's never been here before. And like, you know, kind of alienating him, but it's more just like, oh, he's another guy who has never been to church. And so I feel like they're more practiced, I guess is what I'm trying to get at, at inviting and welcoming people. I'm glad we all got a sense of culture versus doctrine when Nelson became president. Anyway, he's making all those changes. Yeah. It was cool to know the gospel didn't change at all. I remember my mom teaching my family that. What I really liked a lot about his, what he did during his time as a prophet, well, he's still the prophet, but just all he's the... not dead yet. <laughs> all the changes to the, like the handbooks, like come follow me, preach my gospel. When was the new for the strength of youth announced? Was it last? I think a year ago. That one was cool too, because I think that one was a more clear message of saying, hey, we're not going to give you a book that's going to tell you step by step what you shouldn't do. We're going to give you a book that teaches you all the doctrine relating to this certain subject, and then you're going to make the decision yourself. In fact, in Preaching My Gospel, there's a part in chapter four, I think, but there's a quote by President Oaks where he's talking about the Lord isn't going to guide you in everything that you pray for. He wants you to pray like daily, obviously, but where it gets problematic is when you're like praying for trivial decisions that ultimately don't really matter. He wants you to use your reasoning that he gave you. So it's not like he's going to guide you in every, or maybe he'll guide you one way and then you'll be like, well, why did I do this? I should have done something else. Not that he's trying to steer you wrong, but that he's trying to teach you something about either making your own decisions or patience or something like that. I got a question for Eli. How would you describe doctrines? Something just set in stone that can't change. Yep, that's pretty much it. I mean, we're not going to talk about a lot what doesn't, doctrine is because we already did a whole series. I on guess it. it doesn't have to do with the church or anything, just anything that's set in stone that will never change. Yeah, I mean, we share a lot of doctrine with most Christian religions. Just a firm foundation. Yeah, I like that foundation. I think the doctrine is like the core point where it's like, hey, our goal is to love our God and to love our neighbor. And then he gives us further doctrine to help us know how to do that. And then the culture comes in where, like the doctrine to keep the law of chastity, right? So don't have sex outside of marriage. And then they have some principles 
in our culture to help us follow through with that, such as, hey, you probably shouldn't go on a date until you're 16. That's what the old book used to say. What I think is really cool is this new one, like trust the youth. It's like, hey, we're, we're putting our trust in you to be able to make good decisions. And that's awesome. I have a sense of because like with these new up and coming youth that like they're set aside for this time because times are getting times are changing and stuff. And so God trusts them more than he has ever. So that's why agency is being um, exercised. It's being like expounded more, I guess, with a new book. the handbook. Yeah. Words that he uses a lot and other people use are like choice spirits or valiant spirits. So there's a really cool analogy that I found talking about the culture versus the doctrine. We kind of already explained it, but I just want to read this little quote. It's from April 1996. So in the video, she holds up a bottle of peaches, which I didn't know that they did this, but she says, here's a bottle of Utah peaches prepared by a Utah homemaker to feed her family during a snowy season. Hawaiian homemakers don't bottle fruit. They pick enough fruit for a few days and store it in baskets like this. I imagine she shows it up. The basket and the bottle are different containers, but the content is the same. Fruit for a family. Is the bottle right and the basket wrong? No, they are both right. They are both containers appropriate to the culture and the needs of the people, and they are both appropriate for the content they carry, which is the fruit. Now, what is the fruit? And I really like she quotes this. Paul tells us the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. So I think that's a really cool analogy of just like these were built for this, well, not exactly, but these two different containers are holding the same thing and are for the same purpose. Perfect analogy. I mean, some people could just be like, oh, I don't like baskets. They're scratchy or something like that. I don't know. Which, to be fair, is fine. Yeah. If you don't like baskets, you don't have to use a basket. That's the whole purpose of the analogy. But also, don't get mad at others for using a basket. I have a quote right here. It's I just pulled up a lot of talks talking about culture because there's a lot. This one's like an excerpt from Elder Oaks. I think it showed up in the Enzyme. Yeah, it showed up in one of our magazines in March 2012. So if you just want to read this quote. Gotcha. As a way to help us keep the commandments of God, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints have what we call a gospel culture. It is a distinctive way of life, a set of values and expectations and practices common to all members. This gospel culture comes from the plan of salvation, the commandments of God, and the teachings of living prophets. It guides us in the way we raise our families and live our individual lives. The principles stated in the proclamation of the family are a beautiful expression of the gospel of this gospel culture. To help its members all over the world, the church teaches us to give up any personal or family traditions or practices that are contrary to the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ. Funky. I I like the the proclamations. I think yeah. those are really cool. The most recent one was the was it the Living Christ? Was that the most recent one? Yeah, because it was the two hundredth anniversary. I like those because it's very doctrine heavy. I mean, they're proclamations about a certain point in the church. And they use a lot of doctrine to support it, which is why I really like the proclamations. I have a quick question. How do we know whether we're changing the fruit or the contents of the basket or if we're changing the basket to a bottle? Because something like, oh, I wasn't wearing a white shirt to sacrament meeting is a different container. But something like, oh, I 
like to have a family with a guy instead of a girl. That's changing the fruit. And how do we know the difference between I changed the contents as opposed to I changed the container? I actually... I love that question a lot. Let me see. Where'd it go? So this actually, that exact question reminded me of a episode I listened to of a podcast called Follow Him. It's a really good podcast. I'll link it to in the show notes. But they were, I think it was the guest that they had at the time. But he mentioned three questions to determine unchanging doctrine. So the three questions that he said was, one, is it eternal? Two, is it taught with the united voices of God's servant? And three, does it pertain to salvation? Because eternal is forever. And then taught with the united voice of all of God's servants. It's not just individual preachers with their own different ideas on the Bible. It's all the apostles, general authorities, everyone teaching the same core doctrines while expounding on just different points to make their point. Hey guys, thanks for listening to our episode. If you like what you hear and you want to get weekly updates with exclusive content and an inside look on missionary work, join our email list on our website. You can go to lumietmedia.com. That's L-U-M-I-E-T media.com. Just scroll down to the bottom and you'll see a little form where you can put in your name, put in your email. It's free. We don't need anything else from you. We're going to be giving you concise and actionable advice, takeaways from our episodes and lessons and experiences directly from the mission field. And so if that sounds interesting to you, just go to lumietmedia, L-U-M-I-E-T media.com. And we hope to help you a little bit more every week. Bye. So William K. Jackson gave a talk in October of 2020. He shared a story about somebody from Singapore, but he doesn't even really go into any details about the culture of Singapore. But he mentioned that something about the culture of Singapore was contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that was preventing him from joining the true church. He says that eventually his friend would join the church and would give up whatever cultural significance he had in Singapore. But he makes a point of saying, like, the gospel of Jesus Christ is not to turn everybody into the same person. It's not that we can't have different cultures and different personalities, but that we need to align ourselves with our Heavenly Father. Although we are all alike unto God. He wants us to be ourselves, even though we are all alike unto him. One thing that I loved from this talk, though, what stuck out to me the most is it said that he has given up little and gained the potential for everything. And that is a quote that stuck with me. Because if you think about that, even with outside of our culture, if you think about what God is actually asking you to give up, it's not very much. You put it in the grand scheme of things, okay? You didn't have a coffee. I mean, everything is hard. It's hard to change. But in the grand scheme of things, he gave up little. And for somebody who was not a part of that culture, it instantly clicked like, yeah, that was little. And then it kind of clicked for me that, oh, you know, there's probably a lot of things that I'm asked to give up. And to a lot of other people, it's very little. And truth be told, it is little. But we have the potential to gain everything. Something that we kind of alluded to, but I want to talk about is fence laws. So it's this, I first heard it in the regional institute that we went to like months ago. It's the idea of laws that are protecting the doctrine, that the laws themselves aren't the doctrine. But then people, there's so many of them that people end up getting them switched. So this is kind of the main point of that discussion that we had. Like Moses, for example, 
he was given 10 laws. That was it. And then later down the road, up until the time of Jesus, you had the Pharisees, the Sadducees, who had thousands of their own laws. And I feel like Jesus just shows up and he's like, guys, what, what, what are you doing here? This doesn't make any sense. It's not helping, and it's not what I intended to happen. In fact, there are many times where he kind of breaks their laws intentionally because it's like, well, I don't need this law because I'm doing X thing that's good. A specific example that I remember is when he told the blind man to, or when he made clay and put it on the blind man's eyes. Do you remember that? What law did that break? You're not supposed to create things on the Sabbath. So I guess making clay globs was in (laughs) violation of that law. They're like, no, no, this is just a glob. And they're like, no, no, that kind of looks like a cactus. You (laughs) created this cactus looking thing. (laughs) (laughs) Or you you can't create things on the Sabbath and he told him to move his bed. There's like these little nonsensical laws that he disregards entirely because they're not important. Well, what's interesting about those laws is that not only are they not... Because fence laws are there to help us keep the doctrine. Those laws were prohibiting the doctrine. It was like restricting. Yeah. Fence laws are there in place for a reason, but those were restricting. Mm -hmm. And especially on the Sabbath where Christ is like, guys... If your pig was drowning, were you just going to leave it because it's Sunday? No. Go grab the pig. Go help out your neighbor. Go be kind to those around you, even if it's Sunday. I think a really good scripture highlighting that is Doctrine and Covenants 88. It's really long. I think it's like 150 verses, if I remember. Oh. I don't remember. But the I think the beginning is some sort of correction that the Lord was making to the early church. I don't know, remember what happened. Usually that's what DNC is. It's kind of like a question or concern that they have. And then the Lord just kind of giving them some help and outlining what they should do next. So at the end, it's this whole list of things that the early saints should do. And I was reading it. I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, this is a lot of like kind of step-by-step things that maybe they'll take a little bit too far. I mean, just reading all that, it's like, oh, if I was a disciple, I would already be doing this thing or this thing. You know what I'm saying? It's like all these things that happen afterwards are just products of becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ, right? It's thinking about what Jesus would do and then doing it depending on the situation. We all know this quote from President Nelson. In the coming days, it will not be possible to survive spiritually without the guiding, directing, comforting, and constant influence of the Holy Ghost. Deacon, what do you think of that that quote? As we... Follow the fence laws, we naturally will become more like our Savior, as that is what a fence law is doing. So you mean like if we if we follow the fence laws, we'll naturally become more like the Savior, whereas if we follow like like the raw laws, it'd be maybe a bit a little bit less natural. The the, the uncooked laws. Ah, uh, <laughs> yes, yes. Like it blends. It's a funny. It. It's a funny um, analogy, but yes, correct. Like. Yeah, it works just fine. I just wasn't ready for it. The fence laws are there to make it seem more natural, you're saying? Yeah. yeah. The, fence laws are, the fence laws are the seasoning that, they, that you add to the uncooked raw chicken of doctrine. All right, I got a question for you, Eli. Yeah. Based on everything that we talked about, kind of differentiating between doctrine and culture, right? What do you think are some things that we can start doing to focus more on the doctrine? In our lives. Like I said before, seeing President Nelson make those changes. 
that was just a good glimpse for all of us about the difference between the two. Yeah, I say that again because I'm glad we all have that sense now. But, um, well, yeah, seeing those changes helps us helps us to realize that. It's a hard question. It's one of those things where I know exactly what you're saying, but I can't just answer it. Or like I, I like to answer outside the box. Okay, well, I'll well, make I'll it. I'll answer outside the box for you. For you, Eli, specifically, um, you're going to find there's a mission culture. Yeah. Yeah. Even he the different missions. Yeah. No, not even that. Just the culture of being a missionary. Yes, like the culture of just your missionary groups. Yeah. Right. There's a culture there that's kind of toxic. It is toxic. Well, it's kind. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. In fact, I, I feel like the savior sucks out some of that toxin, but <laughs> he he's kind of helpful there. He it's it's so interesting that you say that, and I wish there were more mission presidents or even just people that talked about it. When I was finishing up my pre-mission assessment, I really only had one interview with a guy because for context, the pre-mission assessment is what missionaries now do as they put in their papers to start preparing for a mission. So they talk to someone from the family services, just like a service from the church, talking about like... How are they physically? How are they mentally? But we had a really interesting conversation talking about like the culture of being on a mission. It's like you're allowed as an 18, 20 year old to have fun, right? You're allowed to talk about video games. You're allowed to be goobers. Yeah. And you don't have to be guilty that every single waking moment was not focused on how you serve the people or how you help. Or And then the people who are already doing good like already trying to be good missionaries, when they hear things like exact obedience, the people who already feel like they're trying just feel worse because they're like, oh, I'm not, I thought about this one video game that one time as I was talking to my comp or whatever. I mean, that's what happened to me. I felt like every waking moment had to be focused on what I was doing as a missionary. How do I help the people? And it's like, oh, we shouldn't probably shouldn't have talked about Minecraft for 10 minutes. It's like, nope, that fine. I mean, if, if you're not staying up till like midnight talking about your Minecraft world or whatever, but it's just like, you're human. You're going to talk about things that you like. So, And there's a balance to be found. <laughs> Funny enough, Elder Titus had a hard time with that. He kind of went back and forth between the two of like, man, I'm just having a lot of fun and not terribly focused. And then like, oh, I'm really focused. I'm really obedient. And the fun has dipped down. It's interesting. There's a there's a balance to find and it's pretty cool. I'm glad you guys brought up like mission culture. Another general one that immediately comes to mind is if I didn't get a baptism, I'm not a successful missionary. Yes. Right. The number There's a whole chapter that tells you what it means to be a successful missionary. It's not the numbers. That's one of the first things that it says. If you care about the people and you're trying to do as much as you can. I think you're being successful. You're planting the seed. If you're not doing the baptisms, you're the missionary that they're going to remember that first came to their house where a year later, other missionaries might come into their house and they'll be like, oh, I remember these nice couple of guys that came. I'll listen to you. And then they get baptized. You don't see that, but it's still a success. Actually, so something pretty cool where we found this kid, probably 12. It was a mom and her two kids. We were talking with them and they were really nice, right? And we asked if we could come back and share a quick message. And they were like, sure, that sounds great. So we did, and we taught them about the Ten Commandments. The one kid seemed really into it, and he he loved having us around. He, he made us treats. I don't know why. The first time we went back, he made us treats. And then we 
at a good time that time as we win a second time. So after going back the next week, though, the mom was essentially like, hey, um, we kind of thought this was a one-time thing. We don't want you to be coming by every week. And it was like, dang it, okay. And she was like, I'm going to have a hard time telling my son that. But um, what was really cool is that the the Lord gave me the impression that you did your job. The seed was planted. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay. You taught with the Spirit, and it stuck with them. Yeah. And then, and more and than then that, it, the impression probably is pretty heavy on his mind. It comes down to him. It comes down to the kid pondering and searching about what you taught. You already taught through the Spirit. It comes down to him now. Mm-hmm. It's like a lot of the stories in the scriptures where it's like, I remembering the teachings of my father, and then they have their own desire to act upon it. I think President Nelson gave us the most clear answer on the subject of not just culture versus doctrine, but just like, how to go forward trying to follow Christ better. And it's in his most latest talk that he gave called Think Celestially. And it's kind of a subset of like the three questions I was talking about. Thinking about, I guess, your endowment, for example. There are all of these covenants that you've made, and it's a lot. You probably don't remember all of them, but it's thinking, what can I do today to better follow this commandment, right? Or what can I do to better develop this testimony of Jesus Christ. Like it's thinking most of the time on important decisions or even just any decisions, what would Jesus do or how would this help me grow more spiritually? Even before Nelson's talk, like I would think about a lot of things and think of them celestially. And immediately when I do that, I have a sense of, you know, what it is eternally, but also just what it is itself. It's amazing how clear it becomes in your mind when you think about it. We're going to see if Eli can get it right this time. What do you say? Ah, D, toast. And if you squeeze it together and say it faster? I'll just... Correct. I toast. Thank you for listening to us. This is Walk With Him, a podcast about Jesus Christ. And if you'd like to know more about Jesus Christ, we have a website, which is Lumiet Media, L-U-M-I-E-T, media.com. On there, you'll find stuff about us, stuff about our Savior, Jesus Christ. You'll find our socials where you can follow us and support the podcast. You can also sign up for our email list where we give you just some advice, takeaways from our episodes and experiences that we've had from the mission field. You can join that email list on our website, follow our socials, and if you could rate us, that would really help other people discover the podcast and just start their own journey towards our Savior, Jesus Christ. So thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in the next one. Adios. Adios.